Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 227 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is July 2nd, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast. USC is off this week. The players are done doing their workouts. They're going to take a couple days off before they get back to it next week, getting ready for fall camp, but we will not take any time off. We're here to answer your questions and talk about the USC Trojans. If you have any questions, we love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call 206-888-6755. Call, leave a brief voicemail, and we will play it on the air. You can also go right to peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page to leave a voicemail, and leave it right from your computer. Don't even have to pick up the phone, so we try to make it as easy as possible for you to get your questions into us we got Dan Weber, USAFootball.com beat writer, coming up a little bit later in the show. He'll be answering your questions. And right now, back from Seeker Assignment again, we have Coach Harvey Hyde all the way from Catalina Island. He's enjoying his 4th of July holiday week, I guess, over there in Catalina. Coach, what's going on? <laughs> hey, everything's just great. I'm on Secret Assignment all the time, buddy. Anytime I can come up with something I can share with you and our listening audience, I'll be glad to do that. Yeah, I am in Catalina, and it's uh, just been beautiful here, just beautiful. Still doing all the things I need to do, though. I just do it from a different location. But it's just uh, just a wonderful uh, time of the year as you sort of get uh, your battery regenerated so that you can uh, get charged up for this coming football season, which really should be exciting, especially with all the recruiting and verbal commits that have been going on. There's been so much to follow with USC football and national football with all of the you know, the new playoff system and the BCS and the contracts and the new – all these different things are going on. So, And reading the new publications that are coming out regarding all the teams and who they're predicting to play in what bowl game and who's going to win this conference and that conference. So it's a, an exciting time of the year as far as getting ready for football too. So uh, there isn't really a boring moment in any of our lives if you're a football guy. Certainly not, Coach. And now before we jump into all of it, because we do have a lot to get to, Southern California Tickets has been our sponsor for the last three years here on the Peristyle Podcast, sctickets.com. Check them out. Go to the site. It has USC in it, SC Tickets. You got to go check it out. 1-800-888-7287 is the number. If you need tickets for anything, you want to go see the Dodgers, the Surging Angels, anything else in Southern California, if you want to go to the theater or something like that, go check them out at SC Tickets. And Coach, before we got on the air, uh, you, I, I love when you come up to me, and I, I know you're not the most, uh, you, you know, you know technology, but you're not a big technology guy. But you have been checking out a lot of the stuff on uscfootball.com, and I think one of the recent videos we put up where you got to see some uh, highlights of incoming freshman Nelson Aguilar kind of caught your eye a little bit, I guess. Ryan, it did, and I do like uh, looking at all of your practice tapes and all of all of the different topics that you put on on uscfootball.com. I enjoy it. I'm a real believer in it. keeps me up to date with everything that I don't know or can't find out. I immediately go right to the website. But I enjoyed particularly in, in watching the one that you featured this past week regarding practice at USC and also Nelson Aguilar. I wanted to see him with uh, the guys out there and, and see how the players respected him and see just how graceful he was with his moves and if he really is what I thought he was going to be. And if you remember way back on the recruiting shows we did and and whenever I talked about Nelson Aguilar after he committed to USC and signed at USC, I said this was the closest thing that I've seen to DeAnthony Thomas. Uh, of course, the competition wasn't the highest in the conference he played with, but he had the ability to make such great moves. He had great speed. And what I was able to tell from the videos, not in person, but from the videos, and I watched that very carefully as I watched the faces on the players, I do a complete breakdown when I'm watching the video, not just the player himself. 
and this Nelson Aguilar is every single thing what I thought he was, possibly more. He's smooth. He catches the ball. He has great hands. He has great eye-hand com, uh, concentration. He can leap for the ball. He goes up high. And uh, Barkley loves throwing to him. And I watch the respect of the players who he's running the patterns against, and I hear the oohs and the ahs, and I can tell when kids see that this is a special kid. And he's immediately accepted into that group of, hey, this guy can help us win. He is as good as, uh, well, I would say uh, I didn't have a chance to watch much of Marquise Lee when he came well, last summer when he was working out until later on in the season when he really exploded into a great player. And I'm not going to say he is going to be a Marquise Lee, but I say he certainly has potential to be as good as any receiver at USC and maybe in the future even better. He's also a tremendous running back and basically was a running back in high school. He's a tall, thin kid with great moves and great hands, and I think they've got a diamond here, not in the rough. They've got a diamond that's already been cut here, Ryan. I think this kid's a great player. And we'll keep uh, we'll keep on him, and we'll check out uh, what he does for the rest of the summer leading up to fall camp, so you can check out uscfootball.com for that. Um, I wanted to get to one question. We don't like talking about the NCAA too much, but we got a bunch of them. We're going to talk with Dan Weber about it a little bit later on the show, but Melvin wrote in about the Boise State uh, getting their sanctions reduced, and he was kind of scratching his head. And he wants to know if we should uh, have Pat Hayden take a look at this, and maybe he could ask for uh, reconsideration also. And he keeps asking, you know, why is it USC? What did they do that was so bad? And I guess, Coach, just a lot of USC fans shaking their heads and scratching their heads at what's been going on with the NCAA. Well, I would think that if you ever got an NCAA uh, person with you that they would say hey we were too rough on usc in private off the record they would say off the record you know uh i think that was a uh, not a witch hunt but it was a humbling they tried to humble usc and uh, it hasn't worked uh, if you want me to tell you the truth uh, they tried to you know well they cleaned house as far as coaches and administration they did everything they could to destroy the program they let players transfer which i've never heard of before it was like free agency like coach kiffin says yet the trojans held their uh spot as far as the football power last year they finished 10 and 2 now they won some games by close points and they lost some games by close points but their record was 10 and 2 that has sort of rolled into a momentum that is now bringing usc a tremendous recruiting class which I'm sure you're not going to say or get anyone or have anyone say, that really hurt USC. But it hasn't hurt USC because of who SC is and the way that Coach Kiffin and Coach Orgeron and the rest of the coaching staff, let's give everybody credit, went about trying to repair the damage that the NCAA tried to bestow on USC's football program. It, 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 surely, it slowed them down, but it didn't stop them. And now they've got the momentum going, not only with the class that's coming in, but with the class that they currently have verbal commits on as being one of the top classes in the country. So, uh, yes, I I think the – I don't think Pat Hayden – I'm going to put it this way. I don't think Pat Hayden agreed with the penalty. I think he tested the water to see if it could be changed. And he wasn't willing to go out or thought it was the best thing to do to go out and – and aggravate, let's say, the NCAA any more than what it was already aggravated was the media had just gone after them and all of us who do talk radio and write columns uh, went after them so hard that he said, why should we antagonize them anymore? In fact, Pat Heaton even went as far as adding to it additional uh, regulations that the NCAA didn't even have. And you know that, Ryan, as far as what's going on this summer on any camp at USC – Media people are not allowed to go to any of the camps there, but you can go up to Oregon or you can go to Atlanta, and you're allowed to evaluate the prospects. So I think right now what USC has accepted is, hey, don't worry about what other people are doing. Let's worry about what we're doing. And that's what I always used to tell my teams. Hey, let's take a negative and make it a positive. Let's don't worry about how else someone else is doing something. Let's worry about how we're doing something. 
And I think that's what the attitude they're using at USC, the rallying around what the NCAA has tried to do to them, and I think it's paying off, and I think this year is going to be a very special year for the Trojans. And when we get closer to the season, we'll talk about that. Yeah, and that's, that's the one way you shut everyone up is you, you win all your games, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Just worry about what you can do. Don't worry about things you can't control. Uh, well, kind of a follow-up to that, uh, Paul and Yorba Linda, you were talking about Pat Hayden. Paul wants to know about uh, former USC Athletic Director uh, Mike Garrett. So he said now everything's kind of settling down. He says it's a time to reassess the tenure of Mike Garrett as USC Athletic Director. I believe his major accomplishments include, he said, one, hiring Pete Carroll, uh, two, hiring Lane Kiffin, achieving three, achieving a high graduation rate for student-athletes and avoiding major on-campus issues. He put that in uh, all, all uh, bold there. And then four, raising funds for both the Galen and McKay athletic facilities. He said, I realize that his handling of the NCAA investigation was criticized, but it should be noted that the kinder, gentler approach used by the new administration was not successful in getting penalties reduced. Perhaps in retrospect, he was judged too harshly for standing his ground. What do you think about that, Coach? Well, let me first of all say Mike Garrett's a friend of mine. Pat Hayden's a friend of mine, but I am a closer friend, or, and still am a close friend of Mike Garrett. I talk to him, see him occasionally, and I call to wish him the best of luck at his new position at Langston as the athletic director. In fact, I'm looking forward to having lunch with him here in the near future and discuss the new position that he has. Mike Garrett is a Trojan, okay? No matter what anybody feels about him, sometimes you ask people, some people love him, some people don't have an opinion, and some people dislike him. They dislike him maybe not for what he accomplished, but maybe because he didn't have the outgoing personality that Pat Hayden has and other people do have to talk with people, not walk by people, and maybe have a different approach to what an athletic position is. Mike Garrett's approach as far as being an athletic was, director was get the right coach, give him all the necessary things he needs to be successful, stay within the structure of the rules and regulations, graduate your athletes, and then stay out of the coach's way. Let him do what you hired him to do. That was his philosophy. And every coach I ever spoke to at USC who currently coaches at USC or did coach at USC respected Mike Garrett and loved him as an athletic director. And that's not saying they don't love Pat Hayden. But Pat Hayden has a different approach. Everyone doesn't win the same way. Everyone has their way of winning. Mike Garrett won at USC because of the number of championships that they put together, the facilities they directed or they built, and the funds that they raised. And the tenure of Mike Garrett during the period of times that he was there, they probably won more championships. I don't have the stats than any other athletic director in the history of USC. Pat Hayden is on his way to do the same type of thing and accomplish the same things. Everyone goes about doing it a different way. So, you know, you can not like Mike Garrett, but you can respect that what happened under Mike Garrett's era as far as the hiring of coaches, the championships that were won, the facilities that were built, and you can respect that portion of Mike Garrett. And then you can look at Pat Hayden and you can say Pat Hayden has now come into a difficult situation. It isn't easy to come in with the NCAA sanctions and what he's had to do to administer with all the, let's say, issues that are out there. And I think he's done a tremendous job in doing that. And they have been successful. And the football program is continuing to go and grow. And I think Pat Hayden should take credit for that as we're giving credit to Mike Garrett on what he accomplished. So it's a different era. There's a different way of going about things. Uh, the, the McKay Center is now done and complete and brings something tremendous to the USC Athletic Department. And time marches on. And only time will tell, as when Mike Garrett did his number of years as athletic director, how USC will be under Pat Hayden. But right now, Pat Hayden is loved. He's liked. One thing I like about Pat Hayden, and I don't know how much Mike Garrett did this, he's willing to sit down with recruits and recruit. 
and talk about the academic side and the college experience of an athlete. Every time you hear a very academic student athlete who has committed talk about the athletic department at USC, they have strongly said a big part of my decision was being able to meet with Pat Hayden and talk about the family and football and life after football. So I think that there are strengths in Pat Hayden's way of doing it, and there are strengths in the way that Mike Garrett did it. So, you know, fight on, as people say. As long as you get the victories and you're happy and the kids are having a great experience and people are winning, then that's the right way of doing it. Okay, thanks for that one, Coach. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was talking to someone at, uh, at a camp the other day about USC and UCLA recruiting, and, uh, you know, the fact that Pat Hayden could get involved in recruiting has helped. And I talked to the people that, you know, follow UCLA recruiting and saying that the same thing isn't happening over there, and it can be a real asset. And it's a way that you can help out your head coach and help out your football program. And, you know, it's a good thing that Pat Hayden's helping to do that because it's a – it's a tougher time to recruit right now. You know, Lane Kiffin's kind of making it look easy, but having a, a guy like Pat Hayden there certainly helps out. It certainly does. And if you uh, listen to the comments of, <clears throat> excuse me, the linebacker that just committed this past weekend from Concord De La Salle, he made a comment that Pat Hayden was the only athletic director of all the schools he visited and spoke with that took the time to sit down and talk to him and how much he was impressed by that. That's the type of influence that you need. And I wish you'd have kept that a secret because now other schools now will go ahead and start trying to say, hey, uh, you got to get involved in recruiting. They'll be telling athletic <laughs> directors that Aiden is, is beating us up here at Oregon or, or whatever. But he must enjoy doing it or he wouldn't do it. And I think he's the type of person that can represent the academic side as well as the athletic side because he's done both and been successful in business. So he brings a lot to the table to these kids. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the guys on the current team. Here's an interesting question that hopefully USC fans won't find out what happens, but uh, I'll let, I'll play it for you now. Hey Ryan, this is Anthony from Salinas, California. I was just calling uh, to see. Um, I know you guys are always saying Wittick and Kessler are on their way of being stars. Do you guys think, worst-case scenario, if Barkley went down day one for the year, do you think they're ready enough to step in and one of them lead the team maybe to a national championship or a Rose Bowl bid? Thanks, and um, fight on. Well, thank you very much for giving us a call from Lettuce Country. I'm telling you, Salinas, uh, uh, that's where uh, up there in Salinas, I believe, is where John Madden came from and also Ernie Zampezi when they were up there coaching junior college. But uh, here's how I feel. I wish that the quarterbacks would have had a little bit more experience last year in, the, uh, in times when they possibly could get in the game and get some reps. These players have not had any basic reps in real game situations. They got a lot in the spring, a lot of reps. But I think in the spring, by them getting a lot of reps, it sort of hurt Matt Barkley as far as the timing and the number of reps that he should have been getting, too. He's used to taking almost every rep, but he didn't take many reps. He didn't really, uh, in the spring, Not I'm not going to use the term took the spring off, but he did allow, or Coach Kiffin did allow, the backup quarterbacks to take a lot of reps to help prepare them for that situation you're talking about. In the spring game, I thought we'd see more of the backup quarterbacks, but we didn't because uh, Barkley needed the timing. His timing was off and did go almost a full three quarters of that scrimmage to try to get back into the rhythm that's necessary to go into fall camp. This summer, he's throwing a lot. He's getting his rhythm back. And that's a very important part of your quarterback, receiver, running back, the timing and relationships and knowing each other uh, to that point. Are they ready? That's a question that uh, I would I don't know. I know I haven't seen them in game condition. I know they were the best quarterbacks coming out at that time that SC could recruit that fit the pro style of their offense. I think that given the opportunity with the surrounding type of athletes, 
that USC has and not putting the pressure on the quarterback like might, might be on Matt Barkley this year, I think they can be successful by throwing different types of routes, by running the football, by being cautious, not putting the quarterbacks into uh, positions where they have to win a football game, learning how to finish and play great defense and special teams, I think they can still have a great football season. Obviously, it will not be the same level at quarterback that there was or would be with Matt Barkley. But in the future, one of these two, or Max Brown coming in, is going to be the heir apparent. So it's time, maybe this year, if USC is fortunate enough to get ahead, not to set records with the quarterback and receivers by number of touchdown passes and so on that are done, but to give your backup quarterbacks an opportunity to get game experience. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm at USC and I'm the football coach, this could be a year we're not going for records. This is a year that we're going to win. This is a year we've got to develop a quarterback and uh, get through that, that this season that is a, a season I was going through their schedule this morning looking at the games they have to play and where they have to play and, and the level of competition and how they have to play to win those games. And I think there'll be some games where the backup quarterbacks will be able to play, and rather than have Matt, Matt Barkley throw five touchdown passes or six <laughs> touchdown passes or four touchdown passes, and if you're winning those games and you're playing great football, forget about the records, take him out and let the backup quarterbacks play. Uh, good points there. Coach, and uh, just to let you know, last year I thought we felt that Cody Kessler may have been may have been a little ahead in that competition, but Max Wittick has certainly come on strong, and you can check them both out in those summer workout videos. Uh, that they get to throw a lot of passes, so you can kind of evaluate for yourself which one you think looks good out there. But they both certainly seem capable, and I know USC fans would love to see Matt Barkley finish out the season and maybe bring home another Heisman Trophy for the Trojans. Uh, Let's go to Rundy. we got a couple left. He says, what are your projections on Nikhil Roby if he moves on to the NFL? What round? How, how successful he'll be? Stuff like that. Well, Nikhil Roby, when he came in, I wasn't quite sure uh, about him. Uh, he was undersized. Of course, I didn't see him play much because he came out of the state of Georgia. Uh, Florida. Uh, pardon me? He was at Florida. Oh, Florida. Excuse yeah. me, out of the state of Florida. See, I didn't know where he came from. <laughs> but uh, I knew he came from the south, and people were telling us all how quick he was and fast he was, and I didn't, I didn't think he'd have the size to play. But after I watched him this last year, and I watched him this spring, I'm going to tell you, he's an all-conference defensive back. He's a winner. He's a leader. He'll lock on lock onto you and, and drive you nuts as a receiver, and he'll come up and hit you. And as far as that secondary now at USC, you've got great leaders and McDonald and the rest of them. But I think Roby could be, could be, and I'm not talking about Barkley, could be the leader of this year's USC football team. He's achieved so much and proven so much to individuals like myself that he is a football player. This kid is a football player, and I have a lot of confidence in him. I really do. And it all started with what he did with Floyd at Notre Dame last year and shut that kid down. I think he caught four passes, the first-round draft choice, took him out of the game, and Notre Dame wasn't the same football team. And he continued to play like that the rest of the year. I like him. I think he could potentially be an All-American. I know he'll be an All-Conference player, and we'll see what happens with him. All right, and then we got one last one, Coach. It has to do with the uh, new Pac-12 network. Here you go. Hello, Ryan. This is a question about the new Pac-12 TV network. First question is, what is the name of the network? Second question is, how many games will be televised on this network on a Saturday? Uh, preseason, there'll be 12 games played, and during the week or during the season, there'll be just six league games played. So I'm wondering how many of those will be televised. 
third question is, will they rerun any of these same games during the week like Fox Sports does? And the fourth part of the question is, will the games still be televised on ABC, ESPN, Fox Sports, and Versus like in previous years? Um, this is Tom in Arkansas, and I look forward to your answer. Thank you. Tom in Arkansas, you've broken it all down for us. Uh, I know I know about it as much as you do about it. They haven't really specifically come out and, and said what's going on. I know that there'll be a major game every Saturday on regular Fox TV, regular Fox TV, a, a major game. I know that they will have different games on and why they think this will be a stronger network than a lot of other networks is those people who already have Fox, they don't have to get or buy like the Big Ten Network or some of the other networks that are out there. These networks are already up and running like the Northwest and the Southeast and all these different networks are out there where these games can be put on. So you'll have maybe not the primary game, but I believe the contract says that each school will have one of the primary games during the season, which is a national game on the real Fox network. And then the others will be on regional games on one of those different networks that they have in the Northwest and wherever they might be. Will the games be replayed? I certainly hope they are. I would assume they're going to be replayed because program is, is something that all affiliates are looking for, programming. And a lot of people attend the games, and they want to go back home and then watch the game again. I know I would do that to refer to, to refresh yourself on the game. And, and other people uh, go to games, and they can't see the other games because they're at games. So I'm sure that they'll replay a lot of games. Will USC be on ABC? Absolutely. Will USC be on ESPN? Absolutely. Well. Yes. Well, will they be on versus? I'm not sure. I can't say that, but I know they're going to be highlighted on many of the many of the stations and affiliates because they're of their value as far as to a viewing audience. If you've noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, there's only been about four games or five games, maybe the most, that they've assigned times to. A lot of the times they haven't assigned game time yet because of the national networks, and what and who's getting what as far as who gets first choice. The way this stuff worked down is certain networks get first choice. I'm not sure who that is. It depends on the contract. And then after they have made their choices, then the other affiliates get to pick their games. So I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but I would assume the tickets have got to be printed and I think that the publicity has got to get out there on the games, what time they are, people can make their plans. So I would say here in the middle of July, I, th I would say when you say, Ryan, all these games have to be assigned. Well, I think some of the times you can wait up until like a week and a half, two weeks before the game. So some, like they'll, the dates and stuff will still be okay. They just won't have the game time printed on the on the tickets. But um, it, it's basically like you broke it down, Coach, the way I understand it. And Versus doesn't really exist anymore. It's now NBC Sports Network. I'm not sure if they're going to still be involved as in many Pac-12 games. I think the Pac-12 network might take over for that, but I'm not really sure. Um, but I, for if you're a USC fan, most of the games are going to be on ABC or ESPN or Fox, you know, the main Fox network. So you don't have to, if you get, you know, in Los Angeles, it's Fox 11 or wherever region you're in, whatever station that is, they'll have, you know, major Pac-12 games there now. They'll still pick up games on, you know, ABC and ESPN, and if it's, it's at Notre Dame, it'll, that'll be on NBC. So there shouldn't be an issue there. But uh, there'll likely be a game or two from USC that, like, one of the lower games that aren't as important that will end up on this Pac-12 network. And I think where people are concerned right now, Coach, is that it's not everywhere. So I, I don't even think it's on DirecTV right now on the Pac-12 network. So when that gets launched, you know, if there's a USC game that um, you know, it's on the Pac-12 network, and then you say you have DirecTV and you can't get it, then you wouldn't be able to watch it. I do think they will replay. I mean, all the other networks, will they play games all the time because, like Coach said, they're looking for content and, 
if it's a game that was produced on that network, they'll probably show it over and over. So you could see it a whole bunch of times. It shouldn't be an issue there. But uh, we'll see. I, I, you know, Larry Scott's got to push this network into more markets. I don't think it's available on Verizon Fios, so like what I have. And there's certain cable outlets where it's not available either. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. But it's it's basically the Pac-12 network is going to be one of those lower rung things. Like, like Coach said, it's not going to... USC Notre Dame won't be on the Pac-12 network. You don't have to worry about that. But USC Oregon State could be. And then if you don't get it, then you wouldn't be able to watch it. Well, I, I certainly hope that doesn't happen. Um, uh, I think that the Pac-12 is going to have to make a real move at DirecTV. DirecTV, of course, uh, will want money for that. So there's a lot of issues that they have to work out. But uh, – uh, Doggone! I think it has to be on the Big Ten networks on uh, Directv. And right. If you're going to, if you're going to do it nationally, then you're going to have to give out some coins or do whatever you need <laughs> to do as far as for, you know, advertising purposes become more valuable. Marketing becomes more valuable when you're on national TV with Directv. So, I certainly hope it does happen because I have Directv, and I don't yeah. want to certainly ever miss miss a USC game. It, it might have so, been updated, uh, Coach. I'm not sure. But I, I, the last I checked, I think, like, DirecTV was one of the ones not there. It's a fluid situation. It's not – there's not everything set in stone right now. So, to you know, for the caller's question, it's it's changing, and it will continue to change. I mean, you can see the NFL Network. They're still trying to push into – you know, there's certain cable outlets that don't cover that. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Any new network that starts up or something changes, people want to be – they want to be part of the basic package if you can be because more people get it. Uh, but they're likely to be in a, a sports you know, pay tier package. But you just want to make it available because obviously if you're a big college football fan, you're a fan of the Pac-12, you would want to get the Pac-12 network. The Big Ten network had the advantage of being out there first. So they're in a lot of places. But now you're second or third to the market. It, uh, is it going to be as easy to add? I'm not really sure. I mean, so we'll see. I mean, they have to work it, uh, but it's a fluid situation that will keep changing as you know as the days tick on. Right, because uh, they will charge. These uh, DirecTV uh, will charge, and um, that has to be passed on. That'll be passed on too to the uh, viewers. So uh, you know everything costs money, and it uh, that's the name of the game. I hate to say it is it is amateur athletics, but you talk about now what's going on in amateur athletics and the number of dollars they're talking about with this new system it's unbelievable bidding on the national championship game cities uh, outside uh, identities anyone could be a part of it and, uh, and i mean it's just uh it's a whole different it's a whole different picture i never thought it would get to this type of money issue but it has yeah all right well hopefully that answered the question to hopefully it was okay for you guys and uh Coach, really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all your thoughts with us. It's always fun time, and we'll uh, I guess we'll talk to you again next week. We'll talk to you next week, and thank you very much, Ryan. Have a great summer. All right. You too, and everyone else back in 30 seconds talking with USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast talking with USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber joining the show. Dan, how you doing, sir? What's up? Uh, not much. Just uh, uh, boys get a week off this, uh, through, uh, uh, I guess it's been their only time off uh, through the 4th of July, so... Uh, uh, and then uh, they'll be back at it next uh, Tuesday a week uh, and going strong. Yeah, we got to see a few weeks worth of those uh, 
summer workouts where players are out there throwing the football around. They've been working out four days a week. I think they actually today, Dan, I think they're working out doing their like conditioning workout. Then they have the rest of the time off until next Tuesday. But for right, for yeah, we they were gonna. I, I think that's always kind of a coin flip. They, uh, I think last year, they on that day they ended up showing up, and then they decided they could go home. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. So, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a little break, and then uh, although they're having so much fun, I, I don't know if they uh, they uh, want to take off or not. They're having more fun than we've uh, we've seen them, and and, and that's not a negative. Uh, it's just that they're they're so full of uh, you know competition and and chatter and uh, and just having a heck of a heck of a good time. I wouldn't be surprised if they do if they had like a excuse me a small group of guys going out there throwing the football around even though it's uh, kind of the the break time but they just seem to really be into it. It's a great great opportunity for them and you see some of the new guys we saw so guys like Nelson Aguilar come out and and join the fray. Just kind of keep them sharp and keep throwing the football around and keep the camaraderie up all the way up leading up to fall camp. Yeah, I mean uh, actually there there have been. Uh, Two of the newcomers who just stepped in in ways in which uh, you just say, "Wow, uh, uh, you know Ryan, uh, uh, Dillard, you know Ryan Dillard, uh, the defensive back from Atlanta, who's a walk-on. You wouldn't know that if you didn't know that. He didn't tell you he's a walk-on. Uh, and uh, and Nelson Aguilar, just uh, pretty uh, pretty amazing." Uh, for kids, you know, first time out there, uh, uh, real positive. Uh, they sure, they seem like they, they completely fit in. You really like the way that, you know, older guys are working with them, and you really like their uh, their own skills and skill level, uh, and, you know, speed and hands and, you know, just in general, uh, you know, finished products in a lot of ways. Well, let's get to uh, some of these questions. I know we don't always like to talk about the NCAA, but issues seem to keep coming up, Dan. And here's a question. We yeah. talked to uh, Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment, but here's here's another question on what happened. Hey, podcast. Uh, my name's Rob uh, from Ukiah. Just wanted to call and um, talk a little bit about uh, what I just read and regarding Boise State. Uh, looks like they're looking at getting their sanctions uh, reduced a little bit. Um, so anyway, maybe coach or, uh, Dan, whatever would like to, you guys want to kick it around a little bit. It seems like it's another example of the NCAA, um, kind of doing what they do. Um, you know, supposedly that they were looking at past, past history and precedent and regarding their case. And I thought that precedent was not supposed to be a factor in when punishment was, um, was applied to programs. So anyway, just looks like another injustice. It's happened, and um, anyway, I just thought you guys would like to shed some light on that. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot, and long-time listener uh, to the podcast since the beginning. You guys fight on. Thank you. Bye. Well, I mean, you really make a good point, and, and that's, that was always the one question that people kept saying, wait a minute, if USC would choose to sue, that would be the grounds they'd sue on, because the NCAA clearly – the precedent in the NCAA now uh, for the USC case was the special rule that they passed that said no precedent matters. And then they very quietly said, only in the USC case, no other cases. We'll still go back to precedent. But because precedent would make them look so unbelievably bad and so completely uh, violate their rules, uh, which uh, essentially would have almost forced them to do what they did to Boise in the USC case because the application of the rules, the proof, uh, the, uh, the penalties were so much, as the NCAA says, an abuse of discretion, which, of course, the Boise State case was, too. No one was protecting Boise State. Now, there is a difference. They, it was a level of violation that the NCAA wasn't acting like was really terrible. Obviously, in the USC case, the Reggie Bush violation really wasn't that terrible either uh, uh, and didn't involve the university nearly as much. As I was listening to yesterday to Dennis Todd, CBS Sports, was talking about it, and he said he just threw off the line uh, 
uh, on his on our college football show when he said, "Well, of course, you know, uh, somebody was comparing what was going to happen with Penn State, and and the worst case that they've, you know, in terms of penalties was USC." So he said, and in the USC case, of course, there was only one player, and he wasn't involved with anything through the university, and of course, they didn't prove it. They just said, well, they should have, you know, they didn't prove USC was even involved in it uh, in any way, shape, or form, but they just threw out the standard that they should have known. And then he said, well, well, what does that leave you with all these other schools where coaches and administrators are clearly involved? And uh, unfortunately for Boise, they were involved. I mean, they were putting up kids, you know, who were coming in early and, uh, you know, giving them free housing you know, all they were doing was living on the floors of, you know, with uh, upperclassmen who were already there. But they were, it was sort of a, a way around, you know, some NCAA rules. USC didn't do any of that. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, so did the NCAA abuse its discretion? And also, did the NCAA change its rules for the USC case and then change back? Yeah. Does that look like USC got? Uh, uh, you know, fair and impartial treatment for the NCA? No, obviously not. And did that break the NCA rules? Yeah. And could the NCA defend it in court? They probably would, you know, they'd try somehow. But clearly, USC was targeted for whatever reason, and we still don't really know. And yes, uh, now that the NCA is trying to become this, you know, kinder, gentler, uh, you know, operation, uh, Every time it happens, you look at USC's case and just want to bang your head against the wall because it's just so uh, incredibly, uh, you know, unfair and, and one of a kind, uh, you know, administration of what what the NCA, you know, calls as justice. I think almost more than the original penalty was the way uh, the really bad treatment for USC was the way that the uh, uh, appeals committee was a structured so that a person who was uh, on the appeals committee is being sued for a previous case for a very similar kind of situation to the situation in the USC case. And he was allowed to be, uh, to rule on the USC case. It was just incredibly, uh, you know, unfair there. And then the fact that they basically blew USC off the way they did. I mean, they paid no attention to uh, anything that USC submitted, didn't read it, didn't answer it, didn't respond to it, and uh, and basically said, uh, just said, no, we're not listening. We got our hands over our ears. We got our, you know, our eyes are closed. And we got our fingers stuck in our ears. So we didn't hear your appeal. So you lose. Yeah. Doesn't make you feel better. <laughs> Uh, certainly not, Dan, and I know USC fans are still perplexed, but we'll move on because I know a lot of fans are sick of hearing about it as well, but yeah. <laughs> when stuff like this comes up, we pretty much have to talk about it because we get a lot of questions Yeah, you're better it. off just sort of saying, yes, we know what happened, and we're just shaking our head and saying it's great the way USC's been able to, uh, uh, you know, to deal with it, but it doesn't make it right for those, you know, 10 kids that aren't going to have scholarships. Uh, to USC, that that can't be right. Certainly not. Um, all right, well, we will move on. Tarion had a question, and he said, I just read Dan's article, What Would John Do? Uh, this was uh, your piece on John McKay. Uh, he said, uh, would you ask Dan to expand on specifically what USC should do to turn away from the Pac-12 and only worry about themselves? Maybe he can state a couple of examples, and that's from Tarion. Uh, it's more of a case of, I, I think probably all of us, and I think I'm writing it for myself as much as anybody, I think in the last couple of years, uh, we've looked at the landscape of college athletics and looked at, you know, the success, for example, that the SEC has had, or we've looked at the expansion and, and, and how that's allowed people to, you know, get TV markets that maybe they didn't have or, or do some, you know, you know, some kinds of things that um, uh, that they couldn't do before. And I think in USC's case, maybe it has gotten USC and USC people, and maybe us, more focused on 
what can the conference do for us? How can we help ourselves with the conference? Can the conference help, uh, you know, obviously they they couldn't or wouldn't in, in the case of the NCAA. And we look at the SEC and say, well, what wouldn't happen with the SEC? And we kind of maybe it too much uh, kind of fixate on, on uh, you know, the new commissioner and the new way of doing things to some extent in the Pac-12 and think, Maybe that's the way for USC. And then we, you know, pretty much are disappointed most of the time, you know, at what happens, at the decisions on the field, at the decisions off the field. And you look at a little video and you just think, God, is USC still in the conference? You know, uh, I'm not sure. And I guess what I would say is, is I just think USC, when, when John McKay basically, you know, came into USC and kind of reinvented uh, USC is this kind of one-of-a-kind uh, program on the West Coast uh, that was, you know, took the kinds of things that USC had been able to do in sports like baseball and track and field and where they were, you know, just dominant national program and, and, and took that to football. And basically it was more a case of John McKay wasn't worrying about the Pac-8, I guess, then uh, helping USC get somewhere, you know, USC helped USC get somewhere, USC's players and coaches and fans. And I'm thinking more that as much as we've had to focus on uh, conference realignment and conference rearranging and who's in charge and, uh, you know, are they as smart as Mike Slive of the SEC or how do we compete and all that, and I think more – the uh, Pac-12 is kind of in a different place. They have different kinds of schools and different, uh, you know, with different goals and different fan bases. And it's never going to be probably uh, USC will never have the same kind of advantage that say an SEC school has in some ways and, 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 and marshalling uh, a network like CBS to just be your, your PR firm. Uh, because they've got your football contract. It'll probably never be as good as the Big Ten or the SEC in terms of their commissioners and their history with the NCAA, which pretty much makes those places bulletproof now uh, and the way those places do business. Uh, That's not ever going to happen in the Pac-12. And I guess the more we focus on that, probably that's wasted energy. And it just looks like the better you know, uh, you know, way of proceeding for USC at this time, which I think they're they're really kind of doing, but I think we're all still caught up in in this. Uh, you know, USC is a part of the new Pac-12, and what's that going to mean for us? I mean, basically, yes. What it means is USC gave more money away than probably any school in American history in terms of uh, the negotiations, and and I'm not saying USC ought to be like Texas or Notre Dame where they completely go independent or Texas where they, you know, want their way and everything uh, and, and every advantage they can have. But I'm just thinking that USC would be better off just saying what's best for USC. How do we say that USC that's that kind of one of a kind place that there's, there's really no other school historically uh, with USC's academic advantages, its location advantage, uh, its history and tradition that goes so far back in so many sports, and just kind of more the focus, I think, needs to be just on USC and, and not as, uh, to be honest, not as a member of the Pac-12, not that that, you know, in 10 years or whatever down the road, you don't reevaluate that. But, uh, but there's been so much of, you know, should you give up equal, you know, ra- you know, all the equal TV rights and things like that? Should they you know, uh, worry about having enough influence and, you know, worry about the fact that the Pac-12 took the TV uh, and basically made that a Northern California operation or, 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 you know, moving the basketball out of Los Angeles and all that. I just think, yeah, see, no need to, just don't worry about that. Just, you know, take care of business, win your games, uh, and, and, and the world will come to USC and take care of USC. But uh, I don't think the Pac-12 is ever going to be for USC what the SEC, 
is, uh, you know, is for Alabama or Kentucky or whatever. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Tarian. Uh, let's go to, let's talk about some of the stuff that's been going on in the field. Uh, Doctor Who wants to know, I wonder how defensive end Charles Burks is doing. Is he still recovering uh, from surgery? No, he looks like he's uh, completely recovered, and I think he pretty much said uh, he. The thing you notice about it, he's got the biggest shoulders in, in the world. I mean, he's, his proportion shoulders to the rest of him, uh, it would be interesting to see. What you don't see, especially with the defensive linemen, is – in these, uh, uh, you know, pad-free sessions, you really, there's almost no way they can do a lot of playing that makes you think, okay, this is what they're going to do when they get started. They're the one guys, they're out there and they're, you know, running around and and all of that, but uh, they can't make the kinds of plays that you need to be able to see them make and, and for them to be able to make. But he is a, you know, you, you get the picture of him as this uh, kind of fullback-looking, uh, really wide-shouldered, you know, bulldog type who they would like to see in the middle of plays, uh, you know, as he, uh, you know, comes down hard off the edge. So uh, whether he can do that, we won't know until he, uh, you know, really gets into, uh, really gets into pads. But, but health-wise, he looks like he's fine. And uh, there would be nothing that you would see when you see him out there that would make you think that he's had surgery. He, he doesn't look like it at all. He's, uh, he looks uh, physically, he looks really good. I'll try to get some, uh, maybe a couple pictures of him too. I've been taking some pictures when we're down there doing, at the workout. So I'll try to grab a shot of him or two and we can put it up on the website. Right, yeah. He's, a, uh, he's probably... In person, because his shoulders and, and the arms and upper body is so big, it actually makes him look shorter probably than he really is. I mean, he 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 doesn't look like your classic, uh, you know, defensive end outside linebacker type. Uh, uh, but uh, but he looks like uh, you know kind of a specialty sort of a player that that I think they want to be able to use situationally and. Uh, uh, you know, at least for certainly this year. Then we'll see uh, after that, you know, where he goes. But he looks, uh, he looks healthy. Okay. Uh, thanks for that one, Dr. Who. And next, is up, next up is Josh. He wants to know, can you give us an update on which incoming freshmen have arrived on campus already and when we should be expecting the others to get to USC? Well, the, the last, last that we heard last week, last Friday, I guess it was, was that everybody was here except for Darius Rogers. That we had heard that, you know, that 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 the uh, team had met all the all the incoming players that they were uh, doing orientation the other day. But that that uh, according to the other players, this is not like information. USC isn't sending out press releases and all that. But that that uh, that they felt like that that everybody was there with the exception of, of Darius Rogers, who apparently has some, uh, some class work to do, uh, is, is what we're hearing. But, uh, uh, so we won't see him this week with the week being off, which will give him a real chance to, to get going. And then, uh, then we'll see him. Uh, we expect to see him all next Tuesday. Everybody that's here, we would expect it, you know, who doesn't have a class or something. And, some of the upperclassmen, uh, when they get into certain, you know, get into certain majors and things like that, they may uh, they may have some uh, class conflicts that the younger guys don't have, where they've got a chance to schedule them uh, into more uh, more class offerings, for example, than in, when you get to be an upperclassman. So sometimes we 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 don't get to see all the upperclassmen every day, or they don't get to stay around for the throwing part. But uh, but we're anticipating. The new guys uh, all be here next week uh, on the field, but, but we think they're here now. Yeah, and with Darius Rogers, I think we'll have more with Gerard. He's been Gerard Martinez when we do our uh, Trojan Blast recruiting podcast. He's going to talk about that a little bit. If Darius Rogers is not able to get in, and he posted some information on uscfootball.com, you can check it out. We had stuff in the war room, too, on Friday, so check out that stuff. But it could impact recruiting, Dan, with, you know, losing yeah. one receiver from the class of 2012 could affect how the you know Lane Kiffin has to recruit for the class of 2013. Yeah, exactly. And some of these you never know the whole story. For example, 
I still don't know if we know 100% exactly how and why Buck Allen got here as late as he did last year, you know, but he ended up getting there and, you know, setting back a little bit, but he made it. I mean, there was, he was one of those kids that a year after he's been here, there's still kind of this, you know, aura of mystery about uh, the, uh, you know, uh, very, very quiet and uh, a man of few words, Buck Allen. But uh, if you remember last year, there was all sorts of intrigue about, whether Buck was actually going to make it or not. So uh, it seems to, at least once a year, one one player a year, there's this, uh, you know, Willie Wonty, what exactly is going on. And, and that's not the kind of information, again, that, that they put in a press release. And there's probably a lot of give and take about, you know, decisions about high school uh, you know, transcripts and a particular course and all that kind of thing that, that we're never going to be allowed to get into the middle of. And probably we're almost not legally allowed to be in the middle of that with the uh, privacy rulings and things like that about, uh, uh, you know, kids' records and things. All right. And we got one last one, Dan. It's Boyd and San Ramon. Uh, I'm not sure where that is. Is that up north? Like northern I think Cal? so, but boy. Uh, it's in California. It's in California for sure. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, Boyd. Well, uh, I'll, I can Google map that thing. I'm I've, I've certainly seen it. Uh, I wish I. I'm I, guessing I, San Francisco area up somewhere, but maybe not. Yeah, I'm, usually, uh, I'm usually pretty good on, uh, on geography, but uh, oh man, oh. I'd hate to go there without a map. Most places I can get to without a map, but that one I'd have to look San Ramon up. Okay, our apologies to the citizens of San Ramon. We will look yeah. up where you guys live. I'm sure it's very nice, uh, but he wants to know, boy, it does. What's the latest on the Coliseum master lease? I read it had to be reviewed by the governor's office. Is there a formality or a real cause for concern? It's sad to see the Coliseum crumble while the rest of the conference upgrades their stadiums. Okay. I'd say a couple of things. Number one, I probably spent a whole year going to every Coliseum commission meeting and all that. And I don't, it was like, uh, Dealing with the NCAA stuff, eventually you get to the point where you just say, no, no, not again, no, I can't stand this. I'm going to go. It's the slow pace of everything. And the fact that people didn't seem to care about, you know, I mean, I, you know, I love the Coliseum. I think it's uh, the greatest building in the history of the world in terms of sports. I think there's no, no building has mattered as much. No building has, you know, done as much and had as, you know, I think without a doubt, you know, you could document and the Coliseum deserves to be, uh, you know, preserved in a way that, that is so special and, uh, you know, befits its heritage as a, as a place that, you know, held two Olympic games and, uh, uh, you know, two at the same time, I mean, it's a thought that, you know, the, the Rams and the Raiders and the, and the, uh, USC and UCLA and, and the Dodgers and, and, and one year I think almost all of them at the same time. It's just stunning when you think about that uh, that building and, and all that it's done and, and the fact that it's essentially part of USC's campus and been part of USC's heritage. You know since uh, you know since it was built and it's closing in on a, a century here. Uh, you know, pretty soon, and, and such a part of college football, making the, uh, you know, USC Notre Dame series possible, and I guess 1926 was the first time they played there. Uh, and uh, just the fact that USC now has the opportunity to really, you know, upgrade it, and, uh, and, and the thought that it's taken all this time, and, and you look at what USC has done with the campus, and then you think, who would not understand how much better this is going to be for the Coliseum and for Los Angeles and better for everybody except the politicians who were on the board and had some in all of that. It's going to be better for everybody this long, uh, you know, to make it happen, which tells you everything you need to know about politics locally nationally whatever uh and, and why they don't you know get things done because uh they're involved in it but uh one would hope that uh 
USC gets a handle on it. And obviously it won't be in time, uh, you know, to do that much this year. I will say this, and I, I, I probably wouldn't use the word crumbling uh, with the Coliseum uh, as much as we're not happy with some of the things that, you know, haven't been able to happen yet. I'll say this, that video board, I mean, when you go to other places now, like we're at the Notre Dame game last year, or even at the Oregon game, and you look up, because you're now used to replays at the Coliseum, and you realize nobody even comes close. I mean, I think they said that, you know, is it the Arkansas board might be the one other place in the country that is slightly... I think Texas. Better, yeah. I think Arkansas might be three now. Like Arkansas, oh, Arkansas dropped behind. Yeah, theirs is bigger than Arkansas. It's Texas, I guess. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's that alone uh, changes the designation from crumbling uh, to at least you know being upgraded. But I do think uh, uh, that's got to be really high on on USC's list of priorities. Maybe that's one of those things where you say that's where USC. Has to concentrate, I think, its attention uh, on USC and making that place really special. And uh, you know, there's no other place in America that's going to have the Paris style and the history and that tunnel and all the things that it says when you when you play at the Coliseum. And I, I do think that USC has to, you know, whatever they get it, the goal has to be to make it the one of a kind experience, not just in the uh, in the Pac-12, but that in you know in the country. That there's no other place you can go and play a game where uh, where you're surrounded by you know that much uh, you know history, that many famous uh, people who walked on that uh, you know on that Coliseum floor and 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 turn that into uh, you know a real you know experience. And you know you'd love to see them be able to turn more into the history of USC football as you come to the Coliseum to make the Coliseum, you know, almost a, a you know, a, a tribute uh, to the history of USC football. And there, you know, there are ways you can do it. I think there are ways they will do it. And then to do all the things that they need to do in terms of concession stands and, uh, and, uh, you know, bathrooms and, and, and that kind of thing. But I'm optimistic they will get it done. I'm not optimistic on the timeline until they get the um, politicians completely out of it, and it's been a it's been a long, drawn out, dreadful process uh, as we could as we see with almost everything that happens politically in this country now. It's it's, it's kind of a shame, but we, we're getting used to it. Certainly are, Dan. And uh, just I want to give a Peristyle podcast geography update. The <laughs> San Ramon looks like it's about 15 miles east of oakland california so it is up in the east bay at, if you're on it's on the 680 just south of is it on the 680 yeah. okay well then we've driven through it i'm sure a bunch of times heck i might have driven through it yesterday i don't want to talk about yesterday but uh, <laughs> <laughs> on my trip to the bay area yesterday i was close to san ramon i know that yeah it was, it's like south of walnut creek and north of like pleasanton so it's up there. And South then, of Walnut Creek. Huh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. You had to go up there yesterday, Dan, one-day trip. That's uh, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Walnut Creek, they're one of my favorite places, home of the Pac-12. And uh, just just south of Concord, uh, where Michael Hutchings, who go. just committed to USC, uh, at Concord de la Salle. So he's yeah, up I'm there. really excited about that. Just the idea, I mean, as a former high school football coach, when you watch that, what what this De La Salle does, you just think this is what every high school football coach in the world wishes he could do. Is is what what the, you know Bob Lattis or what he does at, at De La Salle. I mean, it's just and they haven't had a lot of those big time college prospects. Uh, so it's it's really neat a to get a De La Salle kid and, and get one who's so enthusiastic about USC. I just think that's a real breakthrough. I think that's a that's a terrific breakthrough for Lane Kiffin. The Northern California, De La Salle, you know, and a kid that really, uh, you know, is going to see what USC is all about. I think, you know, it was kind of a missing piece to to just have sort of a, you know, pipeline to a place like a De La Salle. And obviously, they weren't producing. They were winning with high school. Great, well-coached, well-conditioned, tough-as-heck high school athletes. They weren't necessarily winning with uh, 
you know, with the uh, you know the big time uh, prospects. But when one comes along, it's 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 awfully nice for USC to be in the mix and uh, and have it turn out this way. All right, Dan. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show, and uh, we got a little geography lesson in there too, tied into recruiting. Right. It all tied in together. So it worked That's out terrific. pretty well. But... Yes, yes, yes. I'm embarrassed. There are yeah. now that we know we have we have been to San Ramon. So uh, uh, we'll slow down the next time. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks again, Dan, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And everyone else, thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back again with the Fourth of July holiday. Probably on Tuesday, we will do a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast, and then. Gerard and I are off to the opening up in uh, Oregon to cover more of the USC prospects up there. But thanks again for tuning into the show, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.